The text for the sermon this morning is taken from the very end of the gospel according to Luke. Luke 24, verses 50 to 53. Luke 24, verses 50 to 53. Then he that is the Lord Jesus led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, this past Thursday was Ascension Day. Of all the Christian feast days, it may be the one that is the least remembered. Christmas and Easter receive a lot of attention and have a prominent place on the calendar, but Ascension Day is often not even mentioned on calendars these days. But for Luke, the ascension of Jesus Christ into heaven forms the climax of his gospel. Luke began his gospel by describing in detail how Jesus came to be born, how God the Son came down from heaven to this earth, and now he finishes his gospel by writing about the return of Jesus Christ back to heaven. The way Luke relates the events in this last chapter of his gospel can create the impression that everything happened on Easter Sunday. After the women visit the tomb early in the morning, we read about Jesus appearing to the two who were on their way to Emmaus in the evening. And then that same night, they return to Jerusalem and speak with the disciples when Jesus also appears in their midst. He opens the scriptures for them and tells them that they are going to be sent to all nations as they are witnesses of all that Jesus has done. And then our text appears at the end of the conversation. Now we know from Acts 1 that the ascension did not occur until 40 days after his resurrection. In his gospel, Luke wants to emphasize the close connection between the words spoken at his first appearance to all the disciples and his ascension. The ascension, as it were, forms the close of those words. After Jesus ascends into heaven, the disciples are to return to Jerusalem because they remember Jesus' words in verse 49 of Luke 24. Jesus told them to stay in the city until they had been clothed with power from on high. This being clothed with power from on high refers to the Spirit of Christ. It is only after Jesus has ascended that he can send the Spirit to the disciples so that they will then be equipped to preach the gospel to the nations. 
The ascension had a profound effect upon the disciples. Luke describes for us what happened. Let us this morning consider the fact of the ascension and its effect on the disciples and the church. I proclaim to you God's word under the following theme. The Lord Jesus was taken up into heaven before the eyes of his disciples. The ascension results in first worship, second joy, and third praise. Jesus leads his disciples to somewhere just outside Bethany, somewhere on the Mount of Olives to a private spot. We do not read of any other spectators. This was just for Jesus and his disciples. Just over a month ago, Jesus had also been in the vicinity of the Mount of Olives with his disciples. That time, they were in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then Jesus was in great anguish of soul. And he cried out to his father, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. His sweat fell to the ground in great drops of blood. He was sorrowful unto death. That night, gangs of men crept up on him among the olive trees there on the Mount of Olives. And he was arrested, taken to the high priest's house. His disciples scattered and left him or denied him. He was all alone. And the next day, he was crucified. How different the situation is now. So soon after all that had happened. Now the Lord Jesus was on the Mount of Olives in the brightness of daytime in his glorified body. He was accompanied by his disciples who had heard that they were to be witnesses of him to all the nations. They were to proclaim his name to all, for it is only in the name of Jesus Christ that forgiveness of sins and reconciliation with God can be obtained. The disciples have learned a lot since Jesus' resurrection. They have been instructed in the scriptures and have experienced their Lord on various occasions as the resurrected one. As we read in Acts 1 verse 3, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. The Lord Jesus continued to educate his disciples throughout this period between his resurrection and ascension. He gave them many proofs. He spoke to them about the kingdom of God. The disciples were going to spread the word and they needed to understand the message as well as possible. And so the Lord Jesus spends a lot of time with them speaking about these things. Now all that has been done. And the time has come for Jesus to depart from his disciples. We read in the second part of verse 50 that Jesus lifted up his hands and blessed them. Jesus lifts up his hands just like Aaron 
the high priest lifted up his hands and blessed the people. The lifting up of the hands symbolized that the blessing would come from above, from God in heaven. It is also a gesture of care. Those who receive the blessing may know themselves to be under the Lord's care and protection. They are under the shadow of his wings. In the blessing, one receives the assurance that the Lord will be with them. Blessing is the opposite of curse. When one is cursed by God, then one has everything to fear, including even eternal condemnation and banishment from the sight of God forever. But that is exactly what is not happening here in the final scene of Jesus and his disciples. We do not know what Jesus actually said to his disciples in these final words according to the Gospel of Luke. We do know that whatever they may have been exactly, that they were words of comfort and grace, words which expressed to the disciples that they would be under the Lord's care always, also in their task of preaching the gospel of salvation to all men. They were words of blessing from the Son of God himself. These were literally the last words which the disciples heard him speak. The next verse makes the point very clearly. For there we read, while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. As Jesus was in the very act of blessing the disciples, he started to rise and be carried up into heaven. They continue to hear his blessing as he visibly rose before them and started to go back to his eternal home. He simply lifted up from the ground and started to go upwards. A real miracle, an act of God. It was an act that underlined the truth of the blessing. As they heard the blessing to them from the Lord, they saw God acting powerfully and causing Jesus to leave the earth right before their very eyes. The one who was with them was now taken from them in a miraculous way. It was God himself who took Jesus into heaven. The man Jesus did not act here of his own accord, but rather he was taken by God. What happened in Christ's ascension has huge implications, which are also of great encouragement to us as well, who live so many years after this event. There is now a man, a human being like us, in heaven, with God. On two separate occasions, there had been a voice from heaven saying that Jesus of Nazareth was the one with whom the Father in heaven was well pleased. The disciples were commanded to listen to him and obey him. 
Now with Jesus' ascension, these words are concretely shown to be true in a most astounding and amazing way. Just a little while ago, Jesus had been convicted and put to death for claiming that he was the Son of Man who will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. You can read about that in Luke 22, verse 69. Well, now those words are shown to be true because heaven is receiving him to the right hand of the Father right now. While Jesus Christ was rejected and executed by the people, he is now being accepted and received by God himself. And he is the first man to be received into God's presence as a man in human flesh. God has accepted his sacrifice of atonement. He has accomplished the mission for which God sent him to this earth. Now he can return to heaven from where he had come. He returns in a different way than he left. He left as the eternal son of God who had not yet been made man. But now he goes back as a real man like you and me. And so now in the person of Jesus Christ, we have our human flesh in heaven with God. There in heaven, he pleads our cause before the Father. The disciples saw it happen with their own eyes. As Jesus was blessing them, he was taken up into heaven. Eventually, a cloud covered him, and he disappeared from their sight. Then in verse 52, we read about the effect which this event had on the disciples. There it says, and they worshipped him. The disciples are overwhelmed by this miracle, which they see before them, and they fall down on their knees in worship. The man, Jesus Christ, is indeed at the same time true God and worthy of all honor and worship. This is the first time that Luke uses the term worship for the disciples. Up until now, there has been doubts and questions in the minds of the disciples about the exact role of Jesus and what he had come to do. The last 40 days, Jesus had appeared to them frequently, explained the scriptures to them, and built up their faith in him, a faith which had been so weak and fragile. Now the word is strengthened again by the visible sign of Jesus ascending into heaven. And so doubts and uncertainties are banished, and the disciples fall down in worship. They honor and revere Jesus Christ as the one who has all authority and might and power, now is entering heaven to sit at the Father's right hand in glory. Brothers and sisters, it is the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we also must worship. Let us also render to him all honor and reverence and worship for who he is and what he has done. 
For the ascension which the disciples were privileged to witness is cause for all of God's people of all times and places to worship the Son of Man. The ascension of Jesus Christ makes clear his divinity to all, also to us. He has been received into heaven, not only as a true man, but also as true God. For many around us today, Jesus Christ is simply known as a good man who came to a nasty end. But we may know also on the basis of this passage that he is so much more than that. He is the Son of God who has returned to his dwelling in heaven and therefore he must receive all of our worship. Do we render to him all honor and reverence? Or does it not also happen that we prefer to offer our honor to other things which do not deserve such attention? So often many of the things of this world can cloud the perspective which we may have of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who has gone through the heavens to sit at God's right hand. May our view of Jesus the Christ be continually built up and instructed by a study of the scriptures so that we may become more and more firmly rooted in our conviction of him as the divine son of God from whom we have received all good things. Let us encourage each other by speaking of the Christ with one another and by speaking of what he has all done for us so that we may together worship him with reverence and awe. Let us not neglect to attend the public worship services where we may together, as the Church of Jesus Christ, also offer to him our collective worship as his body, of which he is the head, our head on high in heaven. The disciples not only worshipped him, but they were also filled with great joy. And so we come to our second point. In the second part of verse 52, we read that the disciples returned to Jerusalem with great joy. After Jesus had departed into heaven, the disciples went back to Jerusalem in obedience to the command of Jesus in verse 49, that they were to stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit had come to them. We read that they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. How is this possible? Wouldn't they miss their Lord and Savior, who has been with them for three years now as their master. You would think that his departure would cause them great distress instead. Remember what happened to them after his death a number of Fridays before. Then they were completely devastated. They fled in panic and were in despair. But now the situation is much different. Now they return to Jerusalem with great joy after they witnessed the ascension of Jesus into heaven. What has happened? 
Why this great difference? Why are they now so joyful? We see here the result of a genuine understanding of the scriptures and of Jesus' true role as our mediator before the Father. Jesus had opened their minds to understand and believe the scriptures. Now they know for a certainty that Jesus is the Messiah sent from God and that he has come to defeat sin and Satan. He has done that by his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. They know that he has done this in accordance with what was written about him in the scriptures. The ascension of Jesus Christ into heaven was a visible and concrete affirmation of the fact that their hope and expectation rested completely and legitimately in their risen Lord and Savior. He was accepted by God and taken up to heaven by him. His mission has certainly been accomplished. Jesus Christ is now in heaven, and he reigns on high at God's right hand. Surely reason for great rejoicing. Their master on earth is now the king in heaven. There in heaven, he is preparing a place for them to which they can go when he returns on the clouds of heaven. There in heaven, he pleads their cause before the Father and intercedes for them. There in heaven, he prepares to send his spirit into their hearts so that they would be fully equipped to preach the gospel to all peoples. And in the spirit, he would always be with them until the end of the age, as Jesus promised his disciples in Matthew 28, when he gave to them the Great Commission. All this was reason for great joy, not just reason for some pleasant feelings, but great joy, which sent them back to Jerusalem in the highest of spirits and with great confidence. For their confidence and joy was rooted in the sure deeds of the Lord that he had done for them. They would have temporarily missed having the presence of Jesus among them, but they knew that he would send them his spirit and so would never be absent from them. They could go on with great joy in all circumstances because the final outcome was certain and sure. The ascension proved this beyond all doubt. And therefore we ourselves as well, so many years later, may also be filled with great joy because of the ascension of Jesus Christ our Lord. His ascension assures us that his sacrifice has been accepted by God completely and is pleasing to him. We now have our own flesh in heaven, he is the guarantee that we ourselves will follow him into heaven as well when he returns to bring us to himself. We may live our lives with a deep joy 
knowing that our Lord and Savior rules the world and that nothing happens outside of his control. Everything occurs for the furtherance of his kingdom and for the benefit of his people, the church. And since he ascended into heaven, he could also send his spirit to his church so that he may now live in us through the Holy Spirit and cause us to bring forth the fruits which God requires of us in our service to him. The outward circumstances of the disciples did not seem all that encouraging when he ascended. They were now alone without their Lord. He has disappeared into thin air, as it were. And yet they could return from this scene of his departure with great joy. They had such great joy because they looked with their eyes to heaven on high and saw him there with the eyes of faith. They had just received his blessing and rejoiced at the certainty of his victory and their salvation. As we go through life, we often need to deal with trials and difficulties. Yet even in these difficulties, we may be filled with great joy because of Christ and because of what he has done and is doing for us right now. The Apostle Peter writes in 1 Peter 1, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. And Peter goes on to write that the reason for this great joy is that you are obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. May the knowledge of this wonderful salvation, which comes about because of the work of Jesus Christ, may that also characterize our lives. May we not be downcast because of our earthly troubles, but instead lift up our eyes to heaven. Let us be filled with great joy because of the wonderful outlook and future which is ours in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 8 that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. If we let the future glory and Christ's accomplishments on our behalf put the stamp on our lives, then we will always be filled with great joy. This joy finds its root and depth only in Christ our Lord, who has ascended on high. Joy which comes from other sources is only temporary and fleeting and does not last and endure. But the work of Jesus Christ can be counted on and is the foundation for great joy unending. And so the disciples, we ourselves, may go our way with great joy. This great joy is expressed through continual praise. And so we come to the final point. When the disciples arrive back in Jerusalem, we 
read in verse 53 that they were continually in the temple blessing God. In this context, the term blessing means pray, praising. Praising God is the only appropriate response to the great deeds that the Lord has accomplished. Many more deeds are still coming. And all these tremendous blessings which we, they may receive from God, they simply must praise Him alone with all their heart. They go to the temple, the large public place of worship, and praise God with the other believers. They do not yet preach, for they have not yet been anointed with the Holy Spirit, but they praise and glorify God. They are there continually. We read about this also after Pentecost in Acts 2. For example, we read in verse 46 and 47, And day by day, attending the temple together, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. They meet together in the temple to worship and praise God. They are occupied constantly with praising God. For God must be praised for the work he has done for his people in Jesus Christ his son. And so the Gospel of Luke ends on a very high note. It ends in the temple, just as it also began in the temple, in the account of the priest Zechariah. This priest was prevented from giving the blessing to the people because he did not believe what the angel told him. But the high priest, at the end of the book, blessed the faithful while ascending into heaven to enter the very dwelling of God to intercede for us there. Jesus' final act in the book of Luke was to bless his church and ascend into heaven as victor to reign at God's right hand in glory. How we look forward to the day when Jesus Christ will return again to this earth in the same way that he was taken up from it. For on that day we may all enter into heaven and be with him, be brought into God's presence forever, and enjoy perfect fellowship with the Almighty One. There can be only one possible response to all of this. Worship, great joy, and continual praise. May our lives be characterized by that personally, in our families, and as a congregation. May we have our eyes fixed on heaven above. May we daily receive comfort and encouragement from the fact that our head, Jesus Christ, is in heaven right now, representing us before the Father in perfection. Nothing escapes his notice. And he brings our prayers before the Father. He loves us and is there to serve as our mediator and redeemer. How blessed we are to be members of him by faith. All praise, glory, and honor, and thanks be to him 
forevermore. Amen.